Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Okay, so we're also going to keep praying now. Just, I want everyone in the room, just going to close your eyes, so you're not looking around at your neighbor, you're not worrying about what your neighbor's saying themselves. I want you just to lift your voice to the Lord now, just to say, you pray in tongues, say thank you. Sing if you want to, part of the song we were just singing there. I've got heart that beats for you. Um, come on, we're just going to do it. Raise your voice, lift your voice, pray in tongues. Come on, stir your faith, stir your faith. Come on, stir your faith. I want to hear it louder. Come on, like pray like you mean it. Pray like God answers your prayers. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, stir your faith. Stir it up. Stir it up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You're the King of heaven, Jesus. We honor you, Lord, as the one in the room who's the most important. We glorify and magnify you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of all the earth, ruler, creator of everything that we can see. You hold it all together. You spoke it into being and has been stayed together ever since. You fill everything with yourself, Jesus. And we honor you, God. We know that you're the one, the source of life, the true light of life. Thank you, Father, that you are the all-powerful God. You are the omniscient one, everywhere present all the time. Thank you, Father, that you care for our lives. Thank you, God, that you are good. Thank you that God, you are the God who saves. You are the God who, who knows every person in every nation at every moment. You know what's on their mind and what's in their thinking and what they're struggling with or what they're joyful about. Thank you that you know all things at all times and there's nothing that's hidden from your sight. Thank you that we can trust you in that. You are good, God. You are good, God. We honor you, God. We lift you up, Jesus. Even over this city, we declare you as Lord over our city, this Norfolk city and Virginia Beach and Chesapeake. God, we declare you as Lord, the Lordship and the rulership of Jesus Christ over our city, these cities around about here. We pray that you would bring down darkness, even as we lift our voices, you do it. You bring down darkness. You bring down the, the things that the enemy tries to erect in the city. It is against us, your people, but against the city, the people who don't know you. God, we know your word says that when people in the city, when there's Christians in the city and a church in the city, the church is made better. The, sorry, the city is made better. God, we're asking, make the city better. Help us be light. Help us be salt. Help us do the things you want us to do in this city. Help us put our hands to the right things and do the right things you're asking us to do. God, not of our own opinion, not of our own agenda, but of yours, God. Help us know your heart and do your purposes in our cities, God. Thank you that you're the king of peace. You're the king of peace. You're the king of peace, God. Thank you that you're the king of peace. God, thank you that you're the king of peace. And I pray peace would rule in every heart here. I pray that there'd be a real release of peace here over hearts and lives and families here this morning and even into the Christmas few days. I pray such release from heaven of peace. His rulership comes with peace. Peace is sometimes a sword and it's got to sort through a few things so it can be bumpy road into peace. But I just pray for that release of peace and joy comes, right, with that. 
We just release joy over people's hearts and their families into people's lives, individuals, but families, God, just over this next week or so, just release such joy over people. I pray we'd be people who learn to be able to tap in and know your heart and know your voice in our own lives, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I lift you up, Jesus. Oh, nothing will be satisfied with anything less than your voice and your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, we love you. Mm. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Let him minister to your heart, right? Let him minister to your heart right now because he's here really to do some big work in people's hearts. Just open up your heart, just like we sung. We're open, we're open, we're open, Jesus. We're open, we're open, we're open to you, Jesus. We're open, our hearts are open, our hearts are open, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just let him minister. Let him do the work that he wants to do right now, right? We take time for you, Jesus. We take time for you, Jesus. Actually, I just feel him really calling people out to come and stand on the waters like he called Peter out of the boat, right? He just really call, he said, Peter, get up out of the boat because Peter was like, can I do that to Jesus when he saw Jesus walking on the water? And he said to Peter, come on then, <laughs> come on, step right out of that boat and come walking on the water with me, right? And so, and so we know Peter started to sink because he started to looking at the circumstances, the external circumstances with the world, the whirlwinds, the waves, Right? He started to sink, but Jesus stretched out his hand and said, nope, <laughs> stood him back up on top of the surface of the water. And so I just know this morning, God is actually calling quite a few people here in the room to step out onto that water. And I don't know, I don't know who in the room, could be one or two, could be many, many more, but um, Jesus, so just, just uh, if that's you, if that's just something that he's asked, like stepping out, thanks, thank you, thank you. 
We're going to walk on the water, God. We're going to walk on the water with you, which really means a walk of faith, a complete trusting in you. When we can't see the circumstances, we can't see what we should be doing, but we trust you anyway. The circumstances around us, the external ones that the world would throw at us are negative. But God, we say we trust you. We trust the the eternal truth and the reality of Jesus Christ in our life in spite of the external circumstances. So we're going to walk on this water with you, Jesus. We say we're going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and we're going to walk every single day and do everything you're asking us to do every single day. I thank you for the response of people's hearts. And even if you haven't stood up and it's you, stand up. Jesus, I just pray, Father, for great faith. I pray for great faith. Faith is from the Holy Spirit. It is the origination of faith in the human heart. It is from the Holy Spirit. He is who originates faith in us. And so thank you, Father God. I pray for the increase of faith. A man cried out to Jesus because he said, what do you want? And he said, Lord, increase my faith. And so right now I pray for an increase of faith. I pray for a download of people's faith. I pray, God, I want more. I want more. Let's cry out, ask for more, right? But I want more, God. I want more faith. I want more of you. I want to walk on the water. I want to do everything you've asked me to do. Cry out to him like that. Ask him for help. He only says we don't have because we don't ask. You just got to cry out and keep asking and keep asking and keep asking. So ask and seek and knock, right? It's the continual banging on a door until the door is opened. You keep asking, you keep knocking, and you keep pursuing the thing that you're wanting and needing today from the Lord and every day. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I just pray that there'd be just such a special rest, like a, re- like a blessing just rest upon upon people here this morning, Father. It's the goodness of the Lord, right, in the land of the living. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's not someday in heaven when we go into eternity. It's right now in the land of the living. It's His, his life in us now, abundant life flowing in us, through us now that literally changes me, the person, or you, the person, and everything and everyone we come in contact with. He changes you. He changes us. So I just pray we literally would be people who see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that your blessing would rest upon us, God. And it's not a selfish thing to ask him to bless you. It's like, pray, oh Lord, bless me. He wants to because he's a good father. He has good things for his children. He is absolutely good. Maybe that's what some people might want to respond to today is just uh, where you've not really trusted his goodness. Just let go of that right now. If there's been hesitation or some doubt in you where you've just gone, I have a bit of a religious mindset towards you. I feel like you see me as someone who's failed or you're angry or I haven't met certain goals or I've hindered you and maybe it's a bit of a religious thing. Let that go right now. Just say, God, I'm so sorry. Let it go and then move on that quickly and just accept his goodness. Ask for it. God, I pray increase our capacity to receive your love. Increase our capacity and our ability just to receive you, receive your goodness and know that you're good because you're absolutely good. You do good always. You do good always. I pray there, there would be some refining and redefining of people's thinking in that, in that matter of your goodness, God. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Stand up, keep standing up if you want to, but um, 
anybody else who wants to sit down, please feel free to sit down. But if the Lord's just doing something, please feel free. Let him keep doing that, right? Jesus is really good. Oh, I'm going to cry. Yeah, we just thank you for your goodness, God. We just thank you for your goodness. And I do pray over Christmas week and into New Year that there'd be such joy and such goodness that we'd feel as we, because it's like his love in us just blasts away all that stuff that we, uh, we put in there, put in ourselves or put in the way of sometimes receiving his love, right? Let his love this Christmas week and the week into New Year's Eve, let him just be the one that just with his hand shows you his goodness, shows you his love, pushes things out of the way, like blast away that old stinking thinking stuff, right? Let him be the one to do that because he will and he's really gentle. He does it really gently, right? He's the, he's the faithful one. He's the good minister. He ministers so gently in our lives and so just trust him and over, over this Christmas, just go, show me your goodness. Show me your blessing. Show me your joy. I want to know what your peace is right? Not the fleeting happy feeling that you might get that comes and goes, but true joy that is just like rock steady in your life no matter the circumstance you walk through, right? Ask him. Let this Christmas be like a real, you know, defining Christmas for you that you go, that's the Christmas I stepped into joy, the true joy of the Holy Spirit. That's the Christmas I stepped into peace, the peace that is just beyond anything we can think, hope, imagine, right? Yeah. I, don't, I've got, I mean, I've got some stuff to talk about, but I also don't want to rush on, so. <laughs> We've been talking about truth and uh, using, um, if you want to open your Bibles, to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 32 has been the key one. It's the, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And um, God is the ultimate freedom and fighter in that respect, like he, he's, he's, he's given us humans, he's dignified us with the choice to even choose him or not. Like he doesn't make, a, he doesn't, hasn't made the human person a robot, but we have to f- worship him, we have to follow him, we have to give him the reverence. He even in that just goes, I make you a person and I give you the freedom to choose me or not to choose me. I hope that you do choose me, <laughs> like that's the father's heart. I hope that you do choose me. But I do give you the freedom to not to. And if freedom like that comes out of heaven for the human person, we should be people who really trade in that kind of freedom in all of the relationships that we have and in the way that we do life, in the way that we do all of life, whether it's family life, work life, you know, the government life, the business life. There should be so much freedom because it first came from the heart of the Father to the human being, right? He dignifies us with that. He had angels that worshipped him because they couldn't do anything else because they could feel and see and sense his absolute holiness and purity. And how can you not bow to that, right? But with us, we didn't, we didn't come into the earth knowing that beforehand. We come into the earth seeing gorgeous sunsets and landscapes and people and falling in love and falling out of love. And so it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a bumpy road to understanding God's absolute goodness and his absolute purity and his absolute holiness. 
And so that's where that freedom comes in. We get the free choice to, I give you my life, God, and I'm not taking any part of it back. It's just fully given, fully surrendered, fully yielded. That's the choice he wants for us because that's, he's so good and he's so holy and he is God and he knows what's best for our life. And so when we make that choice, the whole of our life just lines up and we'll find the most contentment, peace, happiness that we'll ever find, right? But it's a bumpy road to that, that road, right? And this is, this is the point of even this verse, know the truth and the truth will set you free. The verse before it, from the NIV, John chapter 8, verse 31 The NIV says this, to the Jews who had believed Jesus, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. But but, um, it's not in in the actual Greek. It's actually, if you continue in my word, it's logos. If you continue, which is abide in my word. And the word is God's written, written scriptural word, right? We know this. This is, this is his logos, but his logos is every word to us, right? And there's rhema falls within that part of his, his revelation word, now word, right? So logos is all of his words to us, all of his speaking to us. On any day, whether it's through written scripture, this is the inscripturated, unchanging, absolute truth. This will never change. But there's also the continual spoken word. Matthew 4.4 4 says, uh, Jesus spoke to the devil and said, uh, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And, and, the, and the emphasis on that was that it's continual, continual speech, continual logos, continual words that come from the Father's heart to our hearts every single day. And that's to be our bread. That's what we're to live on every single day because that's the place of intimate relationship with him. That's the place of true health, healing, spiritual vitality, where we grow in into the, at the purposes that he created us for right? So the John 8.31 in the NASB says it more literal accurate. Like I just said, it's, it says, so Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And the continue is the continual, it's the sitting in this. The more you open up your Bible, a couple of weeks ago I had everyone like lift up their Bibles. The more you open up your Bible, the more you just read it and sit in it. And sometimes it might just be a verse or two for a few days. Sometimes it might be chapters and chapters and chapters and you're burning through lots of it over the course of a few days. It doesn't matter. So long as what matters is is getting in you that you feed yourself with it. Because we feed our physical bodies really well, right? Breakfast, lunch and dinner and snacks in between and then midnight snacks. And then I know someone who gets up at 3 a.m. and makes a sandwich. (laughs) Not my husband, that's not him, it's another guy. Actually, it's Paul. <laughs> Hi, Paul, <laughs> from Turkey, our, our, our Turkish pastor. Um, I don't understand that, that's why I made that joke. I'm like, how do you, how do you wake up at 3 a.m. and make yourself a sandwich because you're hungry? I don't, like, I'm like thinking, go back to sleep. Does <laughs> it wake me up? Anyway, but, but food, we feed ourselves, we feed ourselves really very well, right? We look after our physical body. But that's not the one that we're going to have in eternity. <laughs> so why wouldn't we really pursue looking after our spirit, man, and feed it and make sure we're getting the right diet into it? Because the more we just sit in Scripture and live by every word that proceeds from the Father's mouth to you, for you, for your own life personally, 
the more we are changed and made like him, that we are created in the image of God already, but the enemy and through the fall, the human image was marred, right? And, and all through life, it gets marred through hurt, unforgiveness, and, and, or sin, right? But the minute we just give our life to Jesus, we're created like a brand new creation. The transformation in the spirit realm happens there at that point, but we still have old habits that we've got to let go of, right? And as, as we sit in the word, marinate in it, let it affect us, feed us, and listen to his, listen to his, a coup is the Greek word for the hearing. As he speaks, we hear in the New Testament. That's the, we hear his voice and respond to his voice daily. And he wants to have the kind of relationship with you where you know his voice. And maybe it's not a spoken voice, but it's a knowing because there's different ways he gives us revelation. It's a, I just know that I know that I know. Like the men on the road to, on the Emmaus road, they're walking, two men were walking with Jesus, but they didn't know it was Jesus. And then three men having a conversation and the two of them go, weren't our hearts burning within us? Right, you know, that scripture in Acts. And so it's the, it's the walking with Jesus that can be just that burning sensation, that understanding, that deep knowing, I just know this is right because it's the the conviction of the Holy Spirit or the unction, unction in you that I know the Lord has downloaded this to me, right? And that's the Holy Spirit in us. He does that. So it is the word of God, which is everything he's spoken. It's a speech-activated kingdom. He said, let there be light. That was him speaking. That was his logos going forth as much as it is the logos you receiving word or reading it in scripture, understand? So the more we continue, this verse says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. To recap a little bit from a couple of weeks ago, I used 32 and it's, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And here's the thing, I started, I started, I went down a track a little bit to begin talking about this verse in relation to our freedom. Free, we know it means spiritually free from all sickness, all disease, all sin, in a spiritual sense. It's we are completely made free by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the cross, he died a brutal death so that our lives could be made whole. And so his brokenness meant our wholeness. As an exchange, we're made whole and we can live very free of all kinds of spiritual ailments, sicknesses, diseases, physical diseases, right? We live free of all that. But the Greek word that Jesus used there, before it meant the freedom that we understand or they even had the understanding in the, the, because Jesus hadn't died yet, that Greek word had traditionally been used to mean this. Freedom from the political controls and the tyrannical dictatorship of the governments of the age, of that age, and any age. Aeon is the word, one of the verses that we will maybe talk, to, talk about. Freedom from the political controls, freedom from governments that are full of tyranny, freedom from dictatorship. Because we either come under that and we obey that and live for that and literally become enslaved by that, or we are come under the lordship and the rulership of Jesus Christ. And there can't be two different, it's not like one foot in either place. You can't have a foot in the kingdom and one foot like in, in the enemy's territory and one in Jesus' territory. He said in Revelation, I think it's chapter 3, but it's to the, because it's the, the churches, seven churches, the one that I'm speaking about now is, I think it's in chapter 3. He, uh, lukewarm Christians, I'll spit you out of my mouth, right? That's one foot over here in enemy territory and the other foot over here in God's kingdom and thinking that everything will be all right. 
And Jesus is like, no, I'm going to reject that. And that's a hard word, but it's, but it's true because he doesn't, he wants us all the way over living in his freedom because he knows what his freedom can do in our life and how it gets us so free. And the life of Christ flows in us, transforms us and flows through us and then touches the people around about us because we've just decided to live free of tyranny. So here's the thing is, there is uh, in the Greek ancient world, and Rome at the time had rolled in just two, two and a half centuries, and they were, they were decimating the Greek, old, the Greek civilization. But the Greeks, the Greek word for a city is called polis, it's, it's polis. And the, Greek, the Greeks' government's system were based on the city or a city-state. So it was like the political state. That is how they conducted all of the governing affairs of, of local cities. And if it was a really powerful city, they'd like grow and expand and bring others in. They controlled people because to be a good citizen, which the word there is also a type of polis, another Greek word, it meant to be a good citizen meant I have to be under the city rules, culture, laws, doctrines, and that mean, means I'm a citizen of this city. So Philippi is one, a book in the Bible that you know of. Philippi was a very wealthy city. And to be a citizen of Philippi came with a certain kind of proudness. Like, I, I'm from Philippi. Right? And even bigger, the city Rome itself, right? You understand. Like, if you were a Roman citizen, because even Paul flexed that, you can't beat me up. I'm a Roman citizen. Is the ultimate flex in Jesus' day. Roman citizens were, 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 there were many laws created for every other um, um, person, <laughs> but if you're a Roman citizen, all of those laws didn't apply to you and you had this special, special status, status, status quo, social status. These are political words and it all has its origins here in the Greek city-state and the controlling powers of the day that today still lead and still control and still batter and buffet lives and people today. And Jesus wants us to live very, very free of it. So in the, in, in the day where Jesus was using this word, eleutho, el, oh, I'll butcher that. It's just, it's just the, 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 the free, the word for free. He was saying, I want you to be free of everything. So it's spiritually free, sickness, disease, salvation. You have that. But I also want you to live very free of any of the controlling manipulation, the persuasion, and all of the lies that go through culture. Come out from under it. Come out from under the lies and live by truth. And the truth will set you free. That's the point. Step away from the lies. And some people, like, turn off your phone, turn off CNN, turn off whatever it is you need to turn off to stop listening to the thousands of lies that get put through culture every single day. Now, in, those, in that time, we have a very secular mindset now, so it's a bit lost on a Western culture. But in the, in the, in the Greek day and in many uh, places in the world today still, they, they understand the spiritual worldview is very, very normal for them. They, they accept it. You go to African countries and they're like, oh, yes, of course we know all about spirits and spiritual animals and demons and angels and principalities. They, they understand this, but we've lost it here in the West the city-state had dominant gods that they worshipped, demons that they worshipped, false gods. Those false gods and those demon gods were the principality over the city that dictated what the culture of that city looked like. 
dictated the doctrine of that city, dictated the rules of that city, dictated who would be uh, raised up to social status and who would be put down. The demons were the ones running the political. And they're still doing it today. <laughs> Just because in America we've lost our Western, you know, in the West we've lost our spiritual um, understanding of what it means to live under in, in the spirit realm. Because the, the spirit, second heaven, there's, there's the earth, right? There's a second heaven and a third heaven. Do you know if I start talking about this, if I say first heaven, second heaven, third heaven? Well, second heaven is what's talked about. The spirit reality realm around about us is the second heaven. It is happening around about us all the time. And, and so that's why someone stood up here a moment ago and said, I saw angels in the room today, right? Because the spirit realm around about us is uh, alive and active and affects us and we affect it. It's more real and more substantial than this one. But in the Western mindset, we've just lost that whole understanding of what it means to be spiritual people and live in a spiritual dimension. Right? There's a big veil that's just come across the West. And I think God's ripping it away right now. Yeah. He's really using COVID. What the enemy meant for evil, God changes and uses for good. He's purifying the church and he's ripping away the veil of lies because lies blind us. He's ripping away the fear because fear blinds us and fear cripples us. So fear and lies together cripple the person. Right? He's ripping it away because he really wants his people, us, to know who we are, that we'd be understanding why you are sent at this particular time into the planet, onto the earth now. You have a plan, God has a plan for you and a purpose for your life and a very, very big job to play in this part of, of history, right? You're not insignificant. It's not like the person with the microphone is the significant one at all, actually, my job is to make sure you all know that you're significant, right? And that you all can really get up and understand what you're called to do, empower you, train you up, give you the tools that you might need so that you're really confident and you go and you go take territory for the en- for, back from the enemy for Jesus, right? This is what free people do. The church has not been free. So she's not been doing that because she has come under some lies and there has been areas where truth has, has been uh, set aside for counterfeits that the enemy would love to just put in our way and trip us up with. And sometimes he doesn't even have to trip us up with. It's like the, set, the fruit from the tree of the good and evil. It just looks good, right? And so we get ourselves deceived into eating it. We get deceived into eating because Adam and Eve, the first thing that it, uh, the devil said to Eve was... Did God really say? The very first thing he sowed into humanity was doubt in the word of God. Right? And all God's been doing ever since is trying to get us to trust his word and trust that he's faithful and trust that he's good and trust that he speaks to us. He's given us his inscripturated word, but he wants us to be on even much higher level than that, that we'd really be people who understand how to capture his word, hear it, obey it every single day. Right? And that was from Adam and Eve in the garden till now, it's the same thing. And we have to deal with that same question. And it's a lie from the devil. Did God really say... Did I really just see that vision of heaven? Did I really just see those bubbles around the room? Did I really just see angels walk through here? Nah, could have been my imagination. I've got a pretty good one. And kids from the tiniest age are like just told, now that's just a figment of your imagination. 
Imagination, the word comes from image. We are images in God's image. We're created in God's image to imagine because the same place that captures revelation is where we're to capture, sorry, the same place that kept in our brain space, that is the same place we capture the revelation from him that we also have a creative outlet for. That's a neurological thing, right? And so they know that, the science knows this, they talk about this. And so, but the Western mindset has so disconnected the spiritual from the science. And so people in the middle are going, hang on, I know God's speaking over here as this creative genius here. There must be something in the middle. And there's absolutely Jesus in the middle because he's the one saying, yes, trust my voice. Yes, listen to my word. Yes, I speak to you every day. Yes, I give you dreams and visions. When the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, He was, Peter gets up and he quoted Joel chapter 2 and he said this, he said, he said, in the coming days your young women and your young men, they will dream dreams, they will see visions. It's supposed to be our very normal way of living life, not some kind of um, once a week or once a month or once a year or one time I went to a conference and I really, it was an open heaven there so I was able to splash around and jump into some big revelation. This is supposed to be out every single day that we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. Every single day, hearing his word and responding to it, capturing it all. And child, like children at Christmas time, I love it, it's Christmas time right now. If you've got like a three-year-old and you give them a present from under the tree, they're not questioning if it's really theirs. They're going to tear it open really quickly. Right. That's how God wants us to receive his word and revelation. Capture it. Make it yours. Own it. You said you saw um, the word that you just gave here was about, um, uh, you said you were, the Lord showed you a big warehouse in heaven full of gifts that were unopened. I had a similar vision one time and it was this time, I walk when I pray a lot. So I was going for a walk around my neighborhood and um, I just, in the spirit, saw an, a door, like the sky's, the sky's there, but I just saw this door open like a... A big door open and and yeah and so I saw through the door into a very cavernous other space I knew God was trying to show me something I didn't really know what it was exactly but what happened was out of this out of it um some I don't I couldn't see who or what was doing this but out of it was pushed a present and I caught it like in the spirit like I'm seeing this happen in the spirit and then, and then a few more, and then a few more, and then a few more. And then this went on for a couple of minutes. And by the time the door then closed, and then I looked around, and I, it was a mountain, a mountain of these gifts all around about me. And I kind of just went, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and, so, and that's okay, right? And so we don't have to know everything. Sometimes he gives you a vision, and there's a zip, like a zip file is downloaded immediately, and you have this, unre- this revelation you can unwrap, and you sound amazing even though it was God that just gave it to you. Well, I didn't know what this was for. I was like, this gave me like hundreds and hundreds and I couldn't count how many. And they were gold-wrapped boxes. And, and to this day, he's, I have little inklings about what it means, though I do know partly it is this. It's stuff I've been given and into this church for anybody who wants to get up and run with the call of God on their life. I know it has linked to that, though I'm still praying into that vision. And do that. If you see something in the Spirit or it gives you something, lean in, pray it, ask Him, show me more. I just felt like I got more because you shared it. And what's really funny is because I also saw bubbles. So it's almost like God getting my attention. She's about to say something else that's going to unlock that vision you had too, right? Because He does that. This is how He gets our attention. 
he just reminded me of that vision and she's speaking of one really similarly. So we've got to really lean into him, really attune our heart to what he's saying and doing at any single moment because he wants your attention because he's got so much to give you and so much to say to you about you, how much he loves you, how awesome you are. Literally, how awesome you are. We discount ourselves. He never does. He wants to tell you so many good things about you and his thoughts toward you are more than on the grains of sand on a seashore. I just said seashore. (laughs) I do that awkwardly every time. Like, I love that Bible verse because it's got my church name in it. (laughs) But for real, his thoughts toward you are always good. And they're many. You can't count them. If you were to try and count them and then try and count some more the next day and then for the rest of your life still try to count them, you'd still never be able to spend your whole time from now till you actually meet him face to face in heaven. You'd still never have counted all the thoughts, the good thoughts he has towards you. And we get a little bit afraid to really lean into that because of self-doubt and this word that the enemy spoke to Eve. Did God really say... And we allow that question or similar questions to create so much doubt in us. Yet right here, in John chapter 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Know there is gnosko. Know. Sometimes, sometimes that's epi. You said epi, epi gnosko last week. So it's, it's, the, it's the knowing the Lord by personal, intimate experience. It's the setting aside of my intellectual learning because we can learn about a person but not know them you can read biographies so you can read this like it's a biography and still not know the God who wrote it this is only meant to direct us to the God who wrote it and fantastic as it is read it every day but it's meant to direct you to the God who, who wrote it so know by personal experience which means to have an intimate relationship with the lover of your soul like literally the lover of your soul he He loves you and there's nothing that you've ever done that can ever make him stop. If you have a good day or a bad day or a bad week, even a bad year, he still loves you. He's still going to just keep loving you. His relentless pursuit of your heart from heaven will never stop. He loves you, deeply, deeply loves you. And so his thoughts all are in line with that. His love for you, how he sees you, what he would love you to do with him. We partner with him. In all of this life, right, we partner with him as we uh, get married, as we have babies, as we go to work, as we create businesses, as we are creative in our business world, as we go to school, as we learn, as we grow. uh, We do it all and partner through all of life with him. And it's his great delight to do it with you. Like his heart is delighted at the thought that you would want him in every moment. Because he wants that for you because he knows it's the best for you. But we often just get busy, right? Or forget. Or religiously don't believe that he's this good. But his great delight is that you just turn the affections of your heart and in every moment welcome him into every moment and do every, every day with him. Every single day. And his delight will break over your life in ways that will bring the joy that we were just praying about earlier and the peace into your life in ways that will literally transform you. So it's know the truth and the truth will set you free. So here's Philippians 3.2. 
Philippians 3.2 says our citizenship is in heaven. Again, it's the word from polis. It's a different word, but it's originally, originally the word is polis. It's politic. If we did not have false religions, false gods, and religion just in general, we would not have politics. <laughs> Seriously, people are like, why do you keep saying that? It's because it originates with um, false gods, false demon deities, and principalities that sit over cities and try and dominate people's thinking and mindsets and persuade whole large groups to believe certain things, doctrines that they push through, you know, cultural Marxism right now is a big one, right? So it's the, it's the pushed doctrine through a society or through a culture. It is through the demons. And so if demons, if we didn't have the false religion and people following demon doctrines, we wouldn't have the politics and the craziness that we see right now. So when people say the church should not be political, what they're saying is stop speaking truth. And that's a really big, big tell. If there is a shying away from truth, because truth sets free, truth saves lives, right? If there is a shying away from truth because there's a fear of being political or a fear of coming across as being too political in, in, in this Western way of doing church, what that is doing is silencing truth and the preaching of truth, which means people are going to stay bound and they're not going to be free in the way that Jesus wanted them to be free. So my citizenship, citizenship is in heaven. What does it mean to have citizenship in heaven? It means I want the culture of heaven to be the culture of my heart and mind and thinking. And I know that if love is the highest law, but also grace and truth, Jesus came in grace and he came in truth, right? So that culture, and then if you think about the gifts of the, of the nine gifts of the Spirit, those are the things that we should be thinking about that really culturize us like let love culturize your your heart let love joy peace kindness gentleness self-control faithfulness culturize your heart like and 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 when we do that our lives really start to line up and look like citizens of heaven true citizens of heaven and that is really what we talk about when we say we are being uh, changed more into the likeness of Jesus Christ it's 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 literally to have our heart and our life culturized with the dominant teachings and theologies and doctrines of heaven. (laughs) Does that make sense? A citizen of heaven has their heart and their life lining up completely with who Jesus is. Our lives will look like him. That's why it says, know the truth, who is Jesus, and the truth will set you free. And the verse before it that says, continue in my word. Continue in my logos, which is my word. This daily Daily live by that word that proceeds from heaven for you. Daily sit in scripture. Daily let it affect you. And as it does, it will break down every lie from the dominant culture that we live around about in every single day. Open to Romans chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, you'll know this. It's actually used quite a lot. So I'm going to read 1, 2, and 3. It says from the NIV. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, right? Two, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. The conformity to the world is what we're talking about when we're saying don't conform. Jesus wants you to be free of the political ruling, dictating doctrines of the day. It's do not be patterned after those things. Be so free and so not conformed to that that your life, our lives will look really, really different than the world. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. God actually really wants it. It might not bring a lot of um, love into your life sometimes because <laughs> it's not appreciated. People who live really, to, to live really very, very strong on convictions on what truth is and who Jesus Christ is, less in this country, but other countries people lose their lives over. You know this. But to not be conformed to the pattern of this world is to not be conformed to the political dictates. It's to be set free from the fear of speaking truth. A couple of weeks ago, I just gave the scriptures where Jesus said that, uh, he said, beware of the, the leaven and the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. In another translation, in another verse, he said, beware of the um, Pharisees and the Herodians, Sadducees and the Herodians, sorry, Pharisees and Sadducees, because it's religious and political. Then he said, Pharisees and Herodians, because that's political, religious and political. And then in another verse, look out for the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Yeast of the Pharisees is hypocrisy. Because those things together combine to create a political stranglehold and that silence the church, silence people, silence truth, push down truth, create then wrong doctrines, create then wrong patternings, create then in us wrong patterns and thinking and waves of doing life that because we've grown up in it, we think nothing less. We think, oh my gosh, of course I do this. I was told to by my parents who were told to by their parents who were told to by their parents and some other expert people around about them. And then the news tells me this and so I must have to do this. This is what everybody's doing isn't everybody doing it it's the crowd we could be so free of this and not fear consequence we're to be so free because the truth makes us free we're to be so free because without it we're really not going to live the kind of christ-like life empowered by the holy spirit to do all and be all that he's asked us to be in the world because our voice will be silenced as our voice is silenced what really happens is his voice from heaven is silenced through us and that's the enemy's deal, right? He knows he can't silence God, but he attacks us, pushes us down, depresses us, causes us to get under fear, under, under wrong ways of thinking, mind, mindset, strongholds, the political system and, and the indoctrination of the day. Whatever it is, you, could, you know, different centuries have different things that were raised up and put down and raised up and put down. But it's all demon ideology, demon doctrines that just get pushed along and pushed along and pushed along. And the devil is smart because he knows if he makes some things look good or sound scripture-like sometimes, it can even deceive the believers who really do want to live a life of truth. And it's, again, though, it's the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. It was the tree of life, which is Jesus Christ. And then the other tree, which was the tree of good and evil. We easily know what evil is. We don't always spot the good fruit on that tree, even though it'll do us harm. It looks good. It's a counterfeit. Right? And Jesus said, don't do any of it. <laughs> set free. Be set free 
Know Him. Know truth. Listen to God's Word every day, even when it contradicts what culture is saying. God's Word will not change. God's Word is what you can bank on. God's Word is what you should live by, despite what the culture around about you is saying and doing. The truth of Jesus Christ will set people free in every area of life. And really what it comes down to this, a Christian can live as free or not free as they want. We all choose. We all choose our level of surrender, which means we choose our level of relationship, by the way. We all choose our level of intimacy because we choose our level of surrender. If I don't want to surrender that much, I'm not going to walk in great deep intimacy. If I'm not going to give up everything, I'm not going to have this incredible um, life-giving relationship with him that I see many others have. But it's a self-limiting thing because I just like doing some things over here or I have some habits, sometimes habits of thinking, which is just prideful, right? Ego is the I, you read in scripture, whenever it's, I did this, it's the ego did this in Greek. Ah, right, because sometimes it's just the habits of mind. And in our habits of mind, we sometimes just push God out because we just won't yield. And we hold on to these things that sometimes are really dear to us. And he's going, if you just let it go, I have so much better for you. The exchange is so much better. Is the exchange is we just walk into incredible incredible relationship with him and go oh my gosh this is what I was missing when I was hanging on to that dirty stuff and I mean dirty stuff I mean like junky junky thinking junky emotions junky habits whatever it might be small big doesn't even matter just hanging on to anything that hinders him in your life when you let it go and receive more of him into you you'll go oh my gosh why did I waste time hanging on to it (laughs) right you just gotta let it go and so this is what it is it's the truth makes you free We choose our level of freedom. We choose our level of, by the way, it looks like free in the Lord looks like incredible courage in front of other people. Because being free in the Lord means you're set free from the opinions of people. You're set free from trying to impress them, as I said at the beginning of this. You're not trying to impress people now, trying to impress Jesus into them. Set free from the things that would normally like hang on to you and drag after you and slow you down in life because now you, you don't have any of the fears, the hindrance. The greatest fear that people deal with is, number one, is uh, speaking publicly in front of people and the fear of death. They're like on the top, top, which is really funny actually because God actually calls a lot of people to speak in front of people. Because <laughs> so, literally, like his word goes forth and changes, brings change. And we carry his word and it affects, affects people. Anyway. So no conformity. Do you know, do you know so that the Greek word for conformity, it includes a piece that means um, to be an echo. I don't want to echo the world. I don't want to echo CNN. I don't want to echo what, what, you know, the doctrines of the world. I don't want to echo just what some college professor might be saying, PhD or not, doesn't really matter. I want to at least be echoing Jesus Christ, conform to Jesus Christ, and be echoing him and saying his words and carrying his heart, right? So when, when you read Romans 12 verse, 12 verse 2, is do not conform, it's saying do not be an echo of the world. I find that really funny. I was like, echo, that's right. That's what some people just are, echo chambers of like CNN, Echo chambers of whatever, pick, you know, pick something, <laughs> anything. Echo chambers of wrong, wrong opinions and doctrines that really, so our lives, um, the word logos comes from the Greek word legao or lego, 
which just means to build thought upon thought upon thought upon thought, like, like a brick in a building, right? Thought upon thought upon thought upon thought upon thought. So if our lives are full of the Word of God, that's going to be a really strong wall. But if our lives, if our lives are built with lie upon lie upon lie and a little bit of truth and a little bit of truth, but lie upon lie and there's mixture, what a foundation. It's, it's like shaky, shaky foundation. It's going to crack and fall. Because there's no kind of foundation that can be built on lies that can build your life into anything good or strong or lasting or any kind of legacy, right? So why wouldn't we want to get rid of the lies? Why wouldn't we just want to go, I want it all gone. I want to live fully free and fully, fully by, uh, with my life in line with who Jesus Christ is. Right? My husband's texting me. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. In in in, Ma, in in Matthew Matthew in Matthew six verse nine, Jesus begins the prayer. He says, "This is how you should pray," and it's our Father who art in heaven. Hello, you know, I'm actually saying the old Catholic version, which is the King James, right? Because I, I was like six year old learning that, so it's how it comes out now. Still, <laughs> all these years later. Um, your will be done, your kingdom come. But before that, it's, this is how you should pray. The word pray there is, and we, we talk about this and need to always, it is proslokume. It's the Greek word. There's other words for pray in the Greek, but that particular one means exchange all my wishes, exchange all my agenda, exchange anything that I might have wanted in life to pick up yours, God. And Jesus said that's how we should pray. So when we come to that place of prayer, it's not with my laundry list and my agenda and my human plans. It's you sit with him, you receive his word, abide in him. That's the original, what we talked about from the beginning. Abide in him, let his word abide in you. That's prayer. When you sit there and just let him speak to you and download his heart to you, that's prayer. And so I I am not surprised sometimes when I do see there is um, sometimes, and I'm not looking at anyone in particular in the room right now, <laughs> but there is an aversion in a lot of people to prayer. And the reason is, is because there's an aversion to drop your own will and pick up the Lord's and live by the Lord's. It is often an aversion to, I, I, really, I really have these plans and I really like them. And, and can I really let them go? Because will I be as fulfilled if I let them go and pick up something over here that the Lord might want for me? Sometimes that's a really legitimate thing. People hold on to things because they're really a bit afraid to really trust God's goodness in them and to really trust his plan for them, not knowing that the very desires that were put in their heart are from him in the first place. And he wants to fulfill us. He's put those desires in us so that we'll meet our heart-to-heart, engagement happens, and he then becomes the fulfiller of our heart. And so the exchange is I sit aside my plans, my thinking, my great plans, by the way, because some of us make great plans. We're very good at it. And that's not a bad thing because he's made us good. We're in his image, right? We're very capable. It's not bad. But he does want us just to lay the stuff aside and just go, what do you want, God? Because I really want my life to line up with everything you are, Jesus, and have, and have your truth in my life. There's, um, I think in the message version, it's um, God takes great delight in the flowering or the blossoming of truth in a life, right? It says it like that in the message. Sorry, I don't, I don't even know what psalm. <laughs> but it's in there. I'll look it up and tell you next week or I'll stick it on Facebook <laughs> so, so people can see. But it's, um, 
God takes great delight in the flowering of truth in a heart, in a life. And um, because he knows what happens in us when we allow his, his, his truth to take root, his truth to really start to blossom and to grow and to bloom in us. I desire truth in the innermost parts is another psalm. I desire truth in the innermost parts because it, it takes root in us. Um, I'll, I'll, I have one here. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure by taking heed according to your word? Which actually means to hide your word in my heart. And so that again, remember, it's the spoken word that he wants to speak to you every day. And it's the scriptural written, inscripturated, canonized Bible that you carry around. You hide it in your heart. His personal words to you that he speaks and says over you all the time. Take, be intentional, right? Take the time to put it in your heart and hide it in your heart and cherish his words to you. That's the thing, right? You cherish his voice. You cherish his words to you and they really get on the inside and become part of you and bring the change that he wants into your life and the strength and the life of God into your life when you really cherish his words. So how does a young man keep his way pure? By hiding God's word in his heart. In verse 11, it says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's not afraid of sin. Jesus cleaned it all up, right? God has taken care of sin for the believer in Christ is a new creation in Christ. You once were a sinner. You're not anymore because you're a new creation. And the Holy Spirit cannot fill a sinner. The Holy Spirit fills the new creation. We've been made into a new vessel of glory to contain it. That's what the new creation is. In the next six months, actually, we're just going to take time and be really intentional and start teaching what it means to be a new creation person, part, living in the new covenant, okay? Uh, but but we, you're, you're not a sinner. Once you've given your life to Jesus, you were once a sinner. Now you're a new creation, created in glory to carry glory, to be light bearers, truth bearers, receiving his word every single day so that you can contain the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit can remain in you and on you, just like Holy Spirit did with Jesus at the time when he was baptized. And John, in, in, chap, in, in the book of John, John the Baptist, chapter 1 and chapter 2, talks about Jesus being the Word of God and how John the Baptist baptized him and said, I saw the Holy Spirit come and remain on him. That had not happened since Adam like that had been the first time since Adam and Eve, they sinned. Holy Spirit could not remain permanently on a person until Jesus. And the purpose was, is that we would come after Jesus and we can be filled and the Holy Spirit remains on us now. That's why you are no longer a sinner. You are now a new creation, fully set free, fully washed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? I'm going to read this Bible verse too. John chapter 15 says this, You are already clean because the word I've spoken to you. The word of God in you and to you and over you makes you clean. Jesus said that. 15.9 says this, As the fathers loved me, so I've loved you. Remain in my love. And if you keep my commands, which is his word, right? Keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. John 17 now. John chapter 17, verse 14 says, so Jesus, the the garden moment, the garden moment has a couple of different recordings. John records very close up prayer where where Jesus is praying to the Father right before he's crucified. So that whole chapter 17 is that. 
But in verse 14 it says this, because he's crying out, Father, I've given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of this world anymore. Why is that? Now they're citizens of heaven. They're not of this world any more than I am of this world. Verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Verse 17, this is it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. I'll say that again because it's connected right back to the original verses that I was talking about. Verse 17, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is is truth. We are sanctified means holy. Be made holy. Okay? We are holy ones. Say I'm holy. We've been made holy by the word of God in us that cleans us. I just read it. And sanctifies us so that we can be completely presentable to God. Pure as if we were Jesus standing before the Father. Because he doesn't see us now sinful, failures. He doesn't see our old past. He sees the perfection of Jesus Christ in you. That's the prayer. Sanctify them by the word of your truth. Your word is truth. And that's verse 18. As you sent me into the world, now I send them into the world. So that's why, that's why we don't like become Christians and then go straight to heaven. <laughs> We've got a job to do. Jesus did it for three years. He preached. He ministered. He loved. He spoke the words of God. We are to preach, to minister, to speak the words of God, to love people. We, we are to, in this world, we are like Jesus. We are to be like Jesus. We are to do all the things that Jesus did. But we do it because we've sat with him again and again and we come every day, right? Sit, receive his word, allow truth to change us, allow truth to align our life and our heart, our mind, my thinking, my emotions. Everything is just cleaned and washed continually and renewed. Back to the Romans verse, renewed every day, right? by the power of God's word in us. It is powerful. I, a couple of weeks ago, I said that um, uh, Hebrews 4.12 is the word of God, is alive, is active, it's sharp, it's powerful. It's alive. It changes you. And it's powerful to dividing between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, wrong thinking, right thinking, evil thoughts, good thoughts, worldly thoughts of political stuff and, you know, control of the day to complete freedom in Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. We live very, very free because our king has given us everything we need to live very free. Free. Freedom is the thing. That's why he's the ultimate freedom fighter. Jesus is the ultimate freedom fighter. Free from all sickness, free from all disease, free from sin and death, spiritual. But then free from anything that would come at us and try and buffet and bat at us and cause us to sit down or be dismayed or be disheartened or be discouraged oppression and depression, all of that stuff, we can push it all aside, right? The things that, that come at us through the media, the things that come at us from a boss, the things that, that no, your boss might be really great, so don't, don't everything comes from the boss, right? Like respect and honour that person. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like it's the, it's the, the worldly, we, we don't have to sit down and get buffeted about by the world. We've got to be people who understand what it means to be citizens of heaven and we're very, very free citizens of heaven. We choose it freely, by the way, but in that freedom, the responsibility is now I'll give my life over to the one who I love, who's loved me so much and given his life for me so that I can be free. Now I really lay my life down and he can have his way fully through it. Amen? 
Yeah, amen. So I'm, I'm going to pray. It's 12.09, a little bit over. So close your eyes actually first. We're going to do this. So in this room here this morning, I know, I know that people can be all over the place, right? No, it's not bad or good. It's just what it is. I just pray right now, Father, for open hearts. I just pray for complete open hearts. As there's an open heaven over this space right now anyway. So I pray for open hearts. Open to you, Jesus. I pray for faith to rise in hearts right now. God, I pray for faith to rise in hearts. Any person here who has been listening to this and you know that your life is maybe a little out of step or maybe a lot out of step with who Jesus is. Maybe it's through your own decision because you've taken yourself away from faith or haven't yet made the choice to follow who I've been talking about, the one man, Jesus Christ, King of heaven. I'm going to give you an opportunity just to give your life to him or maybe back to him in just a moment. There's nothing in this world that you can hang on to or cling to that will ever be as good. I really want to restate that. There is nothing in this world that you can cling on to or hang on to that will ever be as good. Jesus Christ is the Lord of all, the creator of everything. You can see things you can't see. He is the king of heaven, the king of the universe. The universe exists for him because he owns it. And so when I ask you to give your life to him, you're giving your life to your own creator. You're giving your life to the one who then, as creator, came into the world and gave, came as a man, we celebrated at Christmas time, came as a man to live as a man in the flesh, setting aside divinity to live as a man in the flesh and be filled with the Holy Spirit and teach us how to live. But as a man then took upon his life when he died on the cross, every single one of your sins, every single one of your mistakes, every single one of your failures, and nothing was left outside what he took on the cross for you. And so every single wrong thought, every single little thing, like a little small lie, or all the way to big, big stuff like sin. God doesn't even measure it, right? A lie is the same as committing murder. It's just sin and it separates us from him. He doesn't want us separated. And so Jesus carried that on the cross for you. So I'm going to ask you in just a moment, being that he carried everything that you've ever done on the cross, every single thing, and nothing was left out, including then also sickness and disease. He's carried it all. He bore it all. And he died a very brutal death. But then he was raised to a new life again just three days later. And because he was raised to a new life, we also are raised to life in him. We get to live in him. We get a resurrection life in him. Brand new person made new because his blood was shed and covers us and washes us clean. Anybody that wants to respond to either give your life to him for the first time or back to him just in a, in a recommitting, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand now so I can see, like really raise it so I can see. Yeah, great, great. Anybody else? So it's just a recommitment, right? It's a, that's okay, it's good. All right, so pray with, pray, pray, pray with me. Keep your eyes closed still, okay? Pray with me. Say this, Jesus, thank you that you died for me. Thank you that you were raised again. Thank you that you live. I confess that I once was a sinner, but now I'm made free. I'm made whole. 
and I'm raised to a new life in Christ Jesus. Thank you for my new life in Jesus. Lord, help me. Help my faith. Help me live for you every day. Help me to receive your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just in that, still in that prayerful attitude, okay? I know sometimes people like, do I clap? Do I not clap? Just in that prayerful attitude, I just really want to give other people a, a chance to respond because I know that there'll be believers here today that are like, maybe there's, maybe there's some things that you want to give up, okay? We won't take much longer. I know kids need to be fed. Um, keep your eyes closed. Just do this. You don't have to show me. This is between you and God, so you don't have to raise your hand. Just between you and God now, just go, Lord, is there, is, there, is there any lie that I need to let go of? Is there a mindset or a stronghold in me that I've hung on to? And I've actually really believed it was good and right and true, but I really need to lay it at your feet right now. And I pray that he would speak to you and highlight that. Is there any way that I've conducted my life, like an, the operating system of my life? Is there any way that I've conducted my life that's been a little bit out of step or I've allowed mixture in because there's pieces of truth but there's pieces of mistruth or lie as well? God, show me what that is because I want to lay that down as well. Give it to him, like really give it to him, lay it down. And Jesus, now that they've done that, we're just going to pray, all right? God, as people have just laid some things down, I pray, I pray, God, that you really pour back into them. I just do really pray life back into them. Pour back into them now. Um, um, in only the way that you can, just fill those spaces, Holy Spirit, and make yourself known in those places where they've just given up something. Like, fill those places with yourself. Um, you, Holy Spirit, go into the depths of who we are. And you know us better than we know ourselves. And we do give you permission. I pray that you do this, right? We do give you permission to keep doing this work in us, to really bring us into alignment with Jesus Christ so that we would know the truth and we would be set free by it. And that we would really be people who come into full alignment with who you are, Jesus, in every aspect of life. There's no, there's no hint of a shadow in God. There's no lie and there's no deceit in God. He's absolutely good. He's absolutely holy. And he wants our lives to start really lining up in the same way, right? So Jesus, we just give you permission to come and do that in us. Come and do that in us. Come and do that in us. Jesus, we give you permission. Have your way. Have your way. Come in and reframe and redefine things where we've, where we've just had some wrong thinking. We want a heavenly mindset. We have the mind of Christ, right? So you pray. I have the mind of Christ. Help me have the mind of Christ more. Just ask for those things. I want the mind of Christ. Scripture tells you you've got the mind of Christ. Say, go, God, help me understand the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. And if you're feeling like it's stuck a little bit, start praying in the Spirit. Like get into the Spirit and allow Him to do that that way. I just pray, God, that over the next week to that people really would come, as, as we've talked today, really walk into great freedom, new freedom, new life, new freedom, that be new hope, new joy. And I just bless what you've been doing here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.
I mean, thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com. 